Welcome to the New Song Church Sermon Podcast. Here at New Song, we want to help people get to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions about us or want to learn more, you can check us out online at www.new-song-church.com. We'd love for you to stay connected with us throughout the week through our church app. It's free and available wherever you download apps. Just search keyword new song. And now, check out our message of the week. Are you ready to study the word of God, yes or no? Okay, let's do that. Get out your uh, sermon notes, your Bibles. We got some fun stuff to talk about. We're in a series called Five Years From Now. And this is something that I absolutely love teaching. It comes naturally for me. I could teach this subject, and I'm, I'm being serious with you. Now, thankfully, I did study this week, but I could teach this subject at any given time without any study whatsoever because I've studied it so much and I've applied it so much in my life that it comes very naturally. It's just natural for me. Like, if you know me, I'm just a goal-oriented person. I'm somebody who, who uh, sets goals and aims for them, and I pretty much not let nothing stop me from, from achieving what I believe is best for my life. Okay, everybody see that? And so I have some things to teach you today that are going to be meaningful. And if you find yourself, uh, you know, living the same life right now that you were living five years ago and not much has changed, you need to listen up. You need to listen up because there's a better way to live life. There's always, there's always, there's always things in our lives that need to be better. There's always things in our life that need to change. There's always areas in our life, let me say it this way, areas of, in our life in which we need to grow, and that could be in any number of ways. And if you look back at your life and say, you know what, I'm still kind of the same person I was today as I was a few years ago or five years ago or 10 years ago, you need to listen up because this is life-changing stuff right here, right now, life-changing stuff. And I'm, I'm here to help you today. And again, I'm, I'm very passionate about this because it's so it is so life-changing, and it has changed the way I live life, and I pray that it changes the way that you live life. We're going to start Proverbs 13, 16. This is out of the Living Bible. I don't use the Living Bible very often, but I just love the way that this reads. It says, a wise man thinks ahead, but a fool doesn't, and he even brags about it. Hey, man, the other day, I was like, <laughs> I just decided to... How many know you've heard a fool brag about being foolish? How many have been the fool and you bragged about, come on, guys, every man in this room need to get up your hands up, right? Because I have done some stupid things and have bragged about those stupid things. But the Bible says so clearly that a wise man thinks ahead, a prudent man plans ahead. A, a, a wise person thinks about the future and makes decisions based upon what is best in their future or best for their future. That's what a wise person does. So if I were to say, how many of you want to be wise? And all of us, hopefully, prayerfully would say, yeah, I totally want to be wise. Okay, you need to think five years from now. You need to, you need to think ahead. You need to plan ahead. You need to plan ahead. And when you do that, when you start planning ahead, everything changes. Let's look at the next verse, Proverbs 21, 5 out of the NLT. It says, good planning, good planning, so not just planning, but good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts, that leads to poverty. 
Hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Good planning and hard work leads to prosperity. So again, if I were to say, how many of you want to be prosperous? Well, that takes good planning and hard work. Good planning and hard work in order to be prosperous. So what I'm going to teach you today, you cannot be lazy about. And if you're lazy about this, you'll be in the same position five years from now that you are in right now. The only way, the only way that you're going to get out of whatever you're in that you want to get out of is through good planning, got to be wise, and hard work. It's going to take some discipline in your life. But if you lack discipline, you're, you're going to be in the same situation five years from now that you are, right? Now, this is what Luke chapter 14 says. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? Now, this, this verse of Scripture teaches us so much about planning ahead, and I've, I've, I've taken some points from this, but, but let me say a few things before we go any further. Uh, I'm, I'm going to bring up some scenarios right here at a new song, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to make sense to you. In fact, one of the, one of the, um, the most obvious and most recent is, is this building where, uh, you know, we didn't build it, start building it until we were 13 years old, and now we're about to turn 15. In fact, we have a huge celebration coming up in August. It's going to be a really, really fun day. We're planning it right now. Uh, we'll tell you more about that uh, down the road as we get ready to celebrate our 15th year. And for, for a lot of years, year five, seven, uh, ten, uh, a lot of people were saying, hey, why aren't we building a church? Why aren't we building a church? And here, here's why we didn't back then, everybody, because you have a pastor who decided to sit down and count the cost. You had a pastor who looked at, and not just a pastor, but an advisory council and elders who sat down and said, hey, can we, can we financially do this? And the obvious answer for many years was, no, we just can't. It's just not time. But when the time was right, and with good planning and hard work, we were able to build. And by the way, we're able to build, and aren't. And, and let, let me say it this way. We were able to build, and we took up one offering, and we didn't take faith promises from everybody, and, and you're still not, because a lot of people do that. A lot of churches do that. Well, we need you to give X amount of money for the next five years for us to build. And we just thought, no, we're not going to do that because we never want to be a, a, a building to be a, a, a burden on the backs of, new song, of our new song family. And so let me ask you this. Have we, it, once we took up that one offering a couple of years ago now, have we ever asked for more money since? No, we haven't done that. Why? Because we were wise enough to sit down and count the cost and, and knew when, when we were ready for that, knew when we were financially stable enough and now the deal is everybody gets to enjoy this building and we get to enjoy it without the pastor coming up here and begging for money. Isn't, isn't that fun? Because some of you have been in churches where the opposite took place and we just refuse to do that here. And so there were some people, you know, 10 years ago, pastor, we need a building and if we don't have a building, well, I, I, I might just go to another church because we need to put down roots. Well, how can we build something if we don't have enough money for it? 
And the truth of the matter is, uh, when, when people are like that, usually their own personal finances are very... That's pretty honest with you, isn't it? But it's true. True. So I got, I got people around me that are great with finances and said, are we ready? I don't think we are. And they said, yeah, I don't think so either. But the time will come when we'll be able to put down roots. And I'm so proud, I'm so, I'm so glad, New Song, that this, that this church is filled with very wise people. And to our advisor council and to the elders of the church, I celebrate you and just could not do ministry nearly as well without you in my life. Could we give the advisor council, the elders, a hand? We hardly, we don't honor them often enough. We don't honor them often enough here at New Song, that's for sure. So it takes some planning. It takes some planning. It takes some uh, Can I interrupt myself here? And I just, I just realized something. I was looking over here to my right, and I see Scott and Jackie Garris over here. And today is their last Sunday here. They're moving out of state. And um, I, I didn't know I was going to do this, but I love you guys. And I just want to say it publicly. And I don't do this. You guys know I don't do this very often. But this is a special couple who's poured their lives into New Song, and we've poured our lives into them. Can we, can we clap for them and tell them how much we're going to miss them? You guys can wave. <laughs> there they are right there. Love you guys. Okay, now back to the sermon. Here we go. Sorry, Jackie, I made you cry again. And I won't, Scott, I won't tell everybody that you're crying too. Okay, so. <laughs> Sorry, buddy, I couldn't resist. Uh, I love you because you're not a Bears fan. That's all I got to say. Uh, so to experience, okay, I love Bears fans too, but just barely. Okay. So to experience your best future, to experience your best future, are you ready to take, take some notes here? Write these things down, and I'm, gonna, I'm helping you here, I'm helping you, and then I'm going to give you some scripture at the end, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie this together with somebody in the Old Testament that's going to make a lot of sense to you. To experience your very best future, the first thing is you have to conceive a better future. You have to conceive a better future. You've got to have a dream. You've got to have a dream. You, you, have to, you have to have these thoughts. Boy, what would life be like if I were debt-free? Oh, that'd be so great. You just conceived a better future. You just had a dream. But how many know that debt freedom does not come with hard work and discipline? Let, let me say it this way. A building doesn't build itself. A building doesn't build itself. A, a, dream, a dream isn't accomplished without some hard work behind it. So the first thing you have to do is conceive a better future. You have to start dreaming some dreams. So, for instance, what's it like if I were to be debt-free? What, what would it be like if I, was, if, if, if I were to, uh, it, the ideas are limitless. What, what would it be like if I had a great marriage? If I had, if I had uh, just great children, a great family atmosphere at my home, what it would be like if, uh, like on my job, what, what would it be like if I didn't work this position anymore? Where, where do I want to work? What do I want to do? How much money do I want to make? Um, some, some people have this, you know, health-wise, we've got to get a dream. And if I were to raise our hand and say, how many need 
a dream as far as weight loss. And probably half of us would get our hands up and be like, come on, pastor, preach it. Well, yeah, preach it to me too. Conceive, we got to conceive a better future. You've got to dream a dream first. So what are you aiming for? What are you dreaming about? What do you want to see accomplished in your life? Who do you want to become? Who do you want your children to become? What do you want your home to become? What do you want your marriage to become? Come on, everybody. You got to dream a dream. The second thing is you got to create a strategy. You, you don't dream a dream and then just go back to life as normal. You got to create a strategy. Okay, that's the dream. How am I going to stop doing what I'm doing and start doing what I want to do? How am I going to accomplish the dream? So I'm, I'm going to use this as an illustration because this is something that my wife and I are, 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 are good at. We're good at uh, just finances and, and debt freedom and things like that. Uh, we, we had a dream one day that we just wanted to be debt free. But we didn't, we didn't, we didn't do anything else as far as the next step goes before we created a strategy. Okay, we want to be debt-free, but how are we going to be debt-free? How are we going to do this? What are we going to do in order to pay off all of our debt? Are we going to have to get second jobs? Are we going to have to save everything that we get? Are, you know, like, how can we get extra money? How can we pay off debt? We had to have a strategy. And by the way, as we came up with a strategy, and we did, it took a lot of hard work, a lot of discipline to actually work the strategy and in the middle of that, God saw our hearts, he saw our intent, and he started doing things that we could not do. In fact, he added to our strategy things that were better that we never strategized for. Let me give you an example. So Jennifer and I, we, we decided a long time ago, this is about uh, 18 years ago, to be debt-free. And at that point, maybe 19 years ago, we were about $65,000 in debt. And, and that, was, that was just... Uh, we had no equity. That was just debt. So that, that's not a mortgage or anything. That's just debt, okay? And so we, we came up with a strategy, and we said, well, if we make this extra payment to this and then pay that off and then take this, that payment and then add it to what we're paying here and pay that off, and then if we take tax returns and don't spend our tax returns, we're going to put our, our tax returns right up on debt. We came up with a strategy. And in the middle of us working that strategy that we thought was wise, we were doing Dave Ramsey before we knew who Dave Ramsey was. We, we Really, I'm being serious about that. And, and then all of a sudden, my wife and I, I said, we were in an apartment in Milwaukee, and we were paying $819 a month for this apartment. Milwaukee's a pretty expensive place to live. And it wasn't like this incredible apartment. It was just an apartment. And so... It hit me. I said, you know what? If we, if we finance a house at 100% financing, so we don't have any out-of-pocket except closing costs, then we could actually lower our monthly payment. And, and the first house we bought was only $62,000. We lowered our payment significantly by several hundred dollars, and that was with 100% financing and a pretty high interest rate. So we bought a house, and we did that. And with that extra two dollars to $300 extra month, we just started putting that on debt. We weren't spending it. We were just putting it on debt. And then six months later, I realized the mar market was so hot in Milwaukee, I told my wife, said, other houses on the street are selling for like $80,000. So if we, if we sold this house, we could actually sell it, 
have enough money for a down payment for our next house and then put at least five to $10,000 on debt. So we sold the house. And we bought another house. And the market was still hot. And six months later, we realized, by the way, that first house, we ended up walking away with a $17,000 check in our hand for the first house. The second house we bought for, for $99,000, we put money down, and we decorated. Jennifer's great at decorations, just at decorating homes. And all of a sudden, we realized in the second house, hey, we've got a lot of equity. This, this market is really hot. And so we listed our property, and the, the second house, we walked away with $32,000 that day from closing. That flipping houses, and we, we flipped now five houses, that's how we became debt-free. And that flipping houses was never in our strategy. God just, God just took our hearts, and he knew our hearts were right, and he knew that we were disciplined and working for it, and all of a sudden, he just started giving us ideas to make more money. How, how, many, know that God, how many know that God does that type of stuff? Because he wants you to live a great life. He wants you to live a great life. And so there was work involved, and there was, I mean, we took tax returns. We would get like a $4,000 tax return, and we wouldn't spend a penny of it. We would just put it directly on debt because we had a goal in mind, and it took discipline. But we, we had a, a, a dream, and we also had a strategy. We had a dream, and we had a strategy. We also had to count the cost. We had to count the cost. Okay, so I just told you some of the things. Uh, when we got a tax return, we didn't blow it. We counted the cost. We knew we had to put that on debt. And a lot of people get your tax return, and you're, you're in debt up to yours, and you hate the debt that you have, and you get a, you get a check in your hands like, oh, let's go shopping. Well, it takes some discipline to say, no, I'm not going to go shopping. I'm just going to put that on debt. I'm, I'm going to count the cost. And the cost is I might, not get, I might not get any new clothes this year. In fact, can I tell you something? Jennifer and I, for several years, we didn't really go on vacations, I bought a pop-up camper for 100 bucks, and it was an old StarCraft pop-up camper that wouldn't stay popped up. And, and I, had to, I had to buy two-by-fours and cut them, cut them to size, and as the, the, the camper would sort of pop up about a third of the way, my wife and I would get on each opposite corner of the pop-up, and we would take that two-by-four, and both of us would lift up at the same time to, to pop up the pop-up. And then it would just be braced by two-by-fours in all four corners. And, and so when we went on vacation, uh, we would actually just go to a campground and pay like $12 a night in our $100 pop-up camper, and we counted the cost. We knew that becoming debt-free, we weren't going to be going to Disney World. So we gave up Disney World. We, we gave up Florida. Well, I didn't, but my wife did. She loves Florida, and I Me and son don't get along so well. And, um, and beaches. I mean, is there anybody in this room that actually likes sand? Oh, weirdos. That's a weird. Sand, you can't get it off of it. It sticks to you. You're all hot and sweaty out on the beach. I'm thinking, what is the fun of this? I don't know. Getting sunburned. But my wife thoroughly disagrees with me. So, uh, so we counted the cost. We, counted, we knew that there were going to be things that we would have to give up. There were things that we would have to give up. We had to consider the obstacles. We had to consider the obstacles. Like whenever you, make, whenever you have a dream and you have a strategy and you count the cost, you have to know there's going to be 
obstacles. There's going to be obstacles. In fact, uh, even in Luke 14, remember he says, if, if, a, if a king goes to war against another king, won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000, meaning there's going to be an obstacle. There's gonna, I have a dream, but there's going to be an obstacle. Anytime that you have a God-given dream, by the way, if you weren't here listening to last week's sermon, you need to go back and listen to that because our highest priority is to love God with all of our heart, to honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That should be your highest purpose in life as well as loving others, to honor and glorify and love Jesus. So your purpose in life needs to, needs to glorify God. So we see that, right? So you have a God-given dream, and you have to know when you pursue a God-given dream, you have a very real enemy that will come and put obstacles in, your place, in place. He'll put obstacles in your path and try to keep you from achieving the God-given dream that you have in your life. Let me ask you this. Does God want you to be successful? Is success, by the way, the answer is yes to that, because our, our Heavenly Father is a good father. And just the way that we want our children to be successful, don't you think God wants his children to be successful in whatever we do? So, and, and so success is defined, it's different per person because the callings are different. But trust me, he wants you to be successful. And when you're trying to live out your God-given dream and he wants you to be successful in that dream, know this, the enemy will come against you and there will be obstacles. Let me give you a financial obstacle that happens like every single time. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say this. You decide, I'm going to be debt-free. Then you put your car in drive, and it doesn't go anywhere. And you realize, i got to buy a new transmission for my car. <laughs> God, I just said I was going to be debt-free. Come on, everybody. you got to consider the obstacles. There's the, you think the devil is going to want you? You think the devil wants to give you the easy track to your God-given dream? So there's going to be some obstacles, and you just got to stand up and say, you know what, I'm not going to be defeated. Like, yeah, I've got to replace the transmission, but then I'm going to replace that transmission, and I'm going to get right back on track. Because nothing's going to stop me from my God-given dream. You got to consider the obstacles. Number five, you got to carry out the plan. You just got to carry it out. You got to start, and you got to start working. So you got to take the step, but then you got to keep stepping. You got to carry out the plan. So what's the strategy? What's the plan? And you need to put it in effect with, by the way, no cheating. Because cheating takes you off course. So when my wife and I were becoming debt-free, we were tempted multiple times to cheat. We were tempted several times with our tax return. Well, what if we just took a couple of thousand dollars and actually just used it for this? Because we haven't spent any money in years. And usually I was the one that had those thoughts because I, I love four-wheelers and stuff like that. And uh, I had toys. Well, I used to have toys. I sold all the toys to be debt-free. That was part of counting the cost, by the way. You know, when I got married to Jennifer, I had two jet skis. I had a Wave Runner. I had two motorcycles. I had three uh, quads or three four-wheelers. One of them I bought for my wife because she just had to have one. And it was the fastest Polaris that they, they made at the time. She really needed, though. She needed it. I just happened to drive it most of the time. And, um, and true story, I mean, I had the toys, everybody, when Jennifer and I got married, and I sold all of the toys. I counted the cost and said, 
I want to be debt-free more than I want toys. And, um, and then we started having kids, and just the toys never showed up again. I traded my toys for kids, and it was a good trade-off. I don't, I don't, not bothered by that at all. So you got to carry out the plan. So we literally, we got to the point where we, all, all of a sudden we started having a little bit of freedom in our finances, and things weren't so tight, and we were paying things off. And, and so instead of cheating, like really cheating, we would have like a $4,000 tax return, and, and my wife and I would say, okay, okay, okay. We haven't bought new clothes in a couple of years. So, uh, Justin, you take $100, and I'll take $100 out of these 4000 out of this 4000 and we're going to give, we're going to put all the rest of it on, on finances, or on, on debt. And, and by the way, every time that we got tax returns, every time that we got something from the Lord, we always tithed on it first. That was the very first thing that we did. Because I'm telling you, God honors you when you tithe, when you give tithes and offerings to the Lord. He really does pour out, the, pour out blessings upon you. The windows of heaven really do open up, and so we and you say, "Well, I work for my tax return." Well, that's best between you and God. I'm just telling you, we considered my ta- our tax return a blessing from the Lord, a gift from Him, and so we tithe then. And then we both took a hundred dollars near, you know, the, several years after not took a hundred dollars, and we thought that was like, "Oh, should we really? Should we really take a hundred dollars each?" And most of you are like, hundred bucks out of four thousand." Well, to us, it, we, were so, we were so honed in on becoming debt-free that that was a big deal to us. So we, did, we didn't let things take us off course. We carried out the plan. We carried out the plan. And then number six, we, you got to continue the work. You got to continue the work. You got to continue the work. So you, you come up with a strategy. You put the strategy in place. You carry out the plan, but then you keep carrying out the plan. You just continue the work, continue the work, continue the work over and over and over again until you accomplish what God has given in your heart to accomplish, until you accomplish your God-given dream. You just continue the work. You don't give up. You don't give in. You just continue the work. Continue the work. Now, there are so many examples of this in Scripture, but my favorite, if you've been at New Song for longer than 10 years, you know that my favorite example of this is Nehemiah. One of the greatest leaders in the entire Bible, not just in the Old Testament, but in the entire Bible was Nehemiah. Nehemiah heard a report one day, Justin's paraphrase of the story of Nehemiah. He heard a report that day, one day, that the walls of the city of his father, Jerusalem, they were, they were crumbled. They were, they were down. They, were, they didn't exist anymore because of all of the attacks on his, on his city, on the city of his fathers, and that really troubled him. That really troubled him because his city, the, the city and the people that he loved, they, they, could, they could easily be under attack and easily be defeated. And that was a problem with them. So he had a dream. Somebody's got to go in and build the walls. Somebody's got to go protect the children of God. So he had a dream. He had a dream. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, can I tell you something? Some, some of you in this room, you just got to have a dream first. You can't do any of this stuff until you get a dream. So let me ask you this. You say, how do I get a dream? Well, what's wrong? What's wrong with your life? What's wrong with your family? What's wrong with your marriage? What's wrong with your finances? What's wrong? You need to get a dream to solve what's wrong in your life. Let me say, if you say, well, my life is pretty good. Well, then what's wrong in the world? Get a dream for that. Say, I had a dream when I came to Plymouth. You know what was wrong with Plymouth? Half of Plymouth is going to hell, statistics say. And that's a problem. 
Therefore, God gave me a dream to reach this community for the glory of Jesus Christ, not only for his benefit, but for their benefit. And some of you are Christians today because somebody had a dream to preach the gospel of grace in this community. I'm not even thankful for New Song Community Church right here. Plymouth. Making a difference. We're just making a difference because we have a dream. We have a dream. So, so Nehemiah, he had a dream. He saw a problem and he had a dream. But then he also had a strategy because when the king asked him and said, hey, what's wrong? He's like, well, the, the city of my fathers, it's in ruin. Jerusalem is in ruins. And he had, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the, the bravery to go to the king and say, hey, can you help me? I've got a strategy. Would you release me? And because it was a God-given dream, the king already moved, uh, God already moved in the king's heart and said, yes. And in fact, the king said, well, what's it going to cost? And Nehemiah, Justin's paraphrase, pulled out a checklist and said, oh, by the way, I not only have a strategy and I not only have a dream, but I've also counted the cost. And the king said, I'll give you everything that you need. And he sent Nehemiah with all the supplies on his way. And when Nehemiah got there, he went there kind of secretly. And when he got there, all of a sudden, he, 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 he had another strategy, not just for getting that there, but now for actually building the wall and how he was going to do it and how he was going to do it quickly. And all of a sudden, he started getting families around their area of the wall and saying, if you take care of this and you take care of that and you take care of that, and we all pitch in, we can all build this wall really, really quickly. And as soon as they started that, guess what happened, everybody? Obstacles. There were some dudes that started attacking verbally and threatening Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, he knew the obstacles, and yet he continued to carry out the plan. He continued the work, even though there were obstacles, even though there were people whispering in his ear, even though there were, at one time, they're like, oh, somebody needs to talk to you in the temple, but he knew under the unction of the Holy Spirit, under the, under the direction, discernment of the Holy Spirit, I know that that's a trap. They're going to try to kill me if I go. I'm going to stay right here and continue the work. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to give in. And, and God did the miraculous. He did the miraculous. What's this verse? Nehemiah 6, 15 through 16. Nehemiah 6, 15 and 16. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. By the way, this wall was ginormous, but it was completed in 52 days. And when all of our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and they lost their self-confidence because, here it is everybody, because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. And when you get a God-given dream, when you have a God-given dream, is it debt freedom? Is it to have a healthy family life? Is it to have a better marriage? Is it to have a better relationship with your children? Is it, is it to be more successful on the job? When you have a God-given dream, I want you to know, as you, as you conceive the future, create a strategy, count the cost, consider the obstacles, carry out the plan, and continue the work, as you do those things, I want you to know something, that God will be there helping you. That he will be there helping you. And at the end of it, 
Yes, it took a lot of hard work. It took a lot of discipline. But at the end of it, when you accomplish the dream, you're going to tell all those around you, no, no, this was the Lord's doing. The Lord gave me the strength. The Lord did this. You know, my wife and I, when, when we started attacking our debt, I, I want to tell you something. It took a lot of hard work, a lot of discipline. But I can honestly look back and say, no, that was the Lord. Because he gave us the dream. And he gave us the wisdom. And he even gave us strategies that we didn't have. And he just brought success to us. Did, did you know when we sold our houses, when we were flipping houses, that when we, every time that we sold a house, we either got offers for the full amount or more than the full amount. Every time. How many know that's God? That's just God. See what I'm saying? That God will just help you along the way. Now, let, let, let's turn the page here just a little bit. There's something I want to end with here. That the greatest dream that you could ever have in your life, greatest dream that you could ever have in your life, and it's a God-given dream, and I hope everybody in this room is to know God and to be in relationship with your Heavenly Father so deeply, so real that, that you can walk and tell people that I know him and he knows me. That, that your relationship with the Lord is so beautiful, so intimate, so wonderful that you trust him more completely. And your faith is stronger than ever. And that you're used in the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit is, is working in your life. It is seen in your life. And can I tell you, the best dream that you could ever have is to have a thriving, real relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you, you don't have that, that should be your highest goal. It should be your biggest dream. It should be your biggest dream. And I tell you, I want you this morning to conceive a better future. No matter who you are and how mature you are in Christ, I want you to conceive a better future. Could your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ be better than what it is now? And all of us can say, yes. Yes, it could. So then, we create a strategy. Well, what do I need to do? Well, odds are, it's just, I'm just going to give some basics. Odds are, I could worship him. I could love him more. I could give him more praise in my life. I could just point everybody to him. I could talk about him all the time and talk to him all the time. I could pray more. I could study my, my Bible more. I, I, could, I could not just pray and talk to him, but I could pray and listen to him too. I could be in my secret place more. 
See what I'm, you see what I'm talking about? There's some strategies that you know. You know areas in your life that you need to deal with concerning your relationship with Christ. And, and then, by the way, you're going to have to count the costs. You're going to have to give up some things. You're going to have to shut off the television more than you do. You're going to have to spend some time. There's going to be some obstacles. Because right when you start praying is right when the kids are going to get up and want your attention. You know how many times I've gotten out of bed and I went to the living room just to spend some time with Jesus and all of a sudden one of my kids just happened to wake up early. Hey, Dad, what are you doing? Well, apparently spending the morning with you, son. You know, like, but actually, no, I just say, hey, son, I'm, I'm going to be praying for a while. I'm going to go back upstairs or, hey, could you go back upstairs? Spend some time with Jesus. Well, of course, I always say, hey, you can stay with me if you want to. You know, spend some time with Jesus. Sometimes they have. Yeah, other times they're like, I'm going to go back to bed. You're going to have to consider the obstacles. You're going to have to carry out the plan and just continue the work. Continue the work. The greatest God-given dream that you could ever have is to love Jesus more than you love him today and to know him, be known by him. And we all need to be challenged in that area. That, let that be our greatest goal. Let that be our greatest goal. I don't know about you, but I want to be the real deal. I want to be the real deal. I don't want to be a faker. I want to be the real deal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to be real with you. And before we talk about our God-given dreams just in this life, we want to talk about our God-given dream with you. You put it inside of our hearts to want to know you, to pursue you. You, you placed a measure of faith in each of us. And I thank you for that. And once again, in this day, I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm renewing my commitment to know you, to seek you. Because your word says, when we seek you, you are found. And Lord, from the youngest of us to the most mature, as far as our relationship with you is concerned, Help us to know you more. Help us to grow in our relationship with you more. And I thank you for doing that. Thank you, Lord, for moving in our hearts, for sending your spirit into our hearts, calling us into a deeper, more intimate relationship with you. Thank you for that God-given dream. Now, a new song, I'm going to ask one more thing, if you'd stand up with me. I'm going to, I'm going to bless you here. Uh, next week, we're going to start a brand new series called Lesson Learned. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be a great series. But right now, I know that outside of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that there are some people in this room that you need a God-given dream. And I'm going to bless you with the dream that God has for your life. And then, and then it's going to take some work on your part, strategy, the counting the cost, the obstacles. It's going to take some work on your part, but there's some people in this room that you don't have a God-given dream and you need one. And I'm going to ask the Spirit of the Lord to place it in your mind, give you something to work for, give you something to aim at, because five years from now, you need to look back and say, you know what? I'm so glad. I am so glad I pursued the, the, the dream that the Lord gave me five years ago. Today's the day that some of you are going to get, in fact, I hope all of you, but 
Today's the day that many of you are going to receive a dream from the Lord. And I'm going to pray over you. Before we go any further, would you open up your hands toward heaven? Heavenly Father, I pray for this community of faith. And I speak over them, Lord. I declare over them wisdom and knowledge and discernment concerning the dream that you have for their life. And Lord, I bless them. I bless them with a dream with a dream that they could never think of on their own. That the, a dream that the devil would never want them to have. It would be a dream that would bring freedom to their life and freedom to their family members. It would be a dream that would take chaos and turn it into order. It would take bondage and turn it into freedom. And it would take disappointment and turn it into victory. Lord, I speak those dreams into the hearts and minds of every new singer in this room today. Lord, give us dreams for the future. And then give us strategy. Give us wisdom. Give us determination and perseverance. And give us victory, I pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you receive that today, say amen. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a part in what God is doing in your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to www.new-song-church.com backslash next steps. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.